Hey everybody, welcome back to Chasing Chanthavisuk. This is episode 5, and I've got to get a theme song. I just can't come in hard like that. I'll figure it out. Anyways, welcome back. And last week's episode was incredibly short. Uh, there was a reason for that, and it's because I was busy writing this one. It's a pretty, pretty long episode, and in fact, I just got done writing it. I just wanted to get it edited and make sure everything sounded good, but I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. So we're going to have a new segment. It's called Learning Lao, because basically um, I'm going to say a few words in Lao, and it's kind of like a glossary. So if I'm going to say it, I'm going to tell you what it means, and then you can follow along with the story that way. So first thing is this episode is titled Grandparents. So we're going to talk about my grandparents, and so we're going to need to learn the, the vernacular. Um, Lao's a little different. There's ways of saying uh, certain people's titles. Um, there's a dad's side, there's a mom's side, and then there's things that are in between. So in order to say uh, grandfather in Lao, for the dad's side, meaning me, is bu. So P-H-O-U, bu. Um, and Alex is a huge fan of his boo. He, they're attached at the hip whenever we go to visit. Um, he, that's all he talks about. Every time we talk about going on vacation, he just wants to go see boo and ya, which is my, my stepmom. And so, yeah, go in there. So, um, grandmother in Lao on the father's side is ya. Um, I, best way to pronounce it would be, uh, Y-A-H, ya. It's like saying ba, but with a, with a, um, with a Y. <laughs> yeah. It's just very, very short. Again, choppy. And so, boo, grandfather. Yeah, grandmother on the father's side. And then mother's side is patau, which translates to, um, older father. Or matau, which means older mother. So, pa, tau, pa being father. Pa tau old father, I guess, and Matau, we learned Ma from last, last week, huh? M-A-T-A-O, Matau, and that's uh, grandmother on mother's side, so you got Bu and Ya, father's side, Potau, Matau, mother's side, and then we would talk about aunts and uncles, so if the aunts and uncles are older than your parents, your aunt would be your Ba, and your uncle would be your Lung. So pa p a, and we can, we can stretch that out in different tones, but that'll be a different story. And lung, which is, um, l u, n g, lung. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Hey, we'll go with that. <laughs> so pa and lung are people who are older than your parents, are your aunts and uncles that are older than your parents. If they're younger than your parents, then they're a for aunt, and ao for uncle. So, ah, you know, so, ah, yeah, yeah, say that, but shorten it, so, ah. Then, ow, pretty much just sounds the way it sounds, it's just, ow, like, ow, I'm hurt. But, uh, again, short, with a, just a quick affliction, so, ow. And so, let's go back, review time. So, father's side, grandmother, grandfather, boo, grandfather, ya, grandmother, mother's side, Potau, 
is grandfather. Matau is grandmother. Your aunt and uncle, older than your parents, are Ba and Lung. Your aunt and uncle, younger than your parents, are Ah and Ao. All right, we got that? Cool. Got that out of the way? Write that down? I'll give you a few seconds. All right, we're done. Anyways, so my maternal grandfather was a uh, police officer back in Laos. Um, apparently, he was a pretty uh, pretty famous police officer back in Laos. Um, not much is known, because I am not familiar with the history of my mom's side too much. But uh, it was enough to pretty much get a compound for the entire family on that side. And um, I'm not sure with my what my grandmother did. And I'll be perfectly honest, I've never actually met my uh, grandfather and grandmother on my on my father's side. Uh, he doesn't really talk about them too much. Um, I remember playing PlayStation one day, and it was uh, WCW versus the World. It was the game that he bought me right after the, they got a divorce. So I remember it. And uh, he walks in, just normal, just casually. And he's like, can you pause the game? So I, yeah, pause the game. And he just looks at me and goes, my father died today. And I looked at him, and he just looked at me, and I nodded my head, and he nodded his, and then he walked out. That was it. You know, my, my father and I have a very uh, strange way of communication. Um, my wife makes fun of us all the time whenever I make a phone call and talk to my dad, if it you know, isn't involve him talking to Alex. Um, I would just call, you know, hello, hello. And then there would just be a series of grunts and and just, like, laughs. Grunts, laughs, grunts, laughs, grunts, laughs. And then it would just be, all right, okay, bye. And then I turned to my wife and goes, yeah, mom and dad says hi. Uh, they wanted to know how Alex was doing, and I told them everybody was okay, and then we'll see them uh, in the springtime. And that was it. And so... My father and I, we have this bond where we don't have to say words to each other. We just kind of know. We we just kind of go by feeling. And so when he said his father passed away, I instinctively knew what he meant. I knew how he was feeling. And I nodded to acknowledge. And he nodded back to acknowledge that he, he understood. He knew what I was saying to him, how I felt. And that was it. And then we just went about our day. And so, let's go back to uh, to my my grandfather on my mother's side. So we'll go back to DC, and this is early on in our in my DC uh, life, I suppose. And my dad had gotten a job working at a laundry room in a in, in a hotel in Washington DC. And my mom had gone to work with my aunt, and this is probably the first time I've ever been separated from my parents since we came to America. And so I had woken up from a nap, and I was looking for my, looking for my parents, my my mom, my dad, and I knew they had they had jobs. I just didn't know. I was a little confused at that time because I had just woken up from a nap. You ever get those times where you woke up and you felt like you were late for work or something like that, and it was like you know six o'clock in the afternoon or in the evening, and so that's how I felt. So I woke up. My parents weren't home, and only my grandfather was home. And I just became hysterical, like just, you know, crying and screaming for my mom and my dad. And my grandfather had 
he was very stern because, again, police officer, and he just, you know, told me to be quiet. You know, the, uh, the neighbors are going to gonna complain and, and what have you. But I wasn't hearing. I wasn't listening to it. I, I was a child. Again, I was three years old. And so I had gone into hysterics, and he physically had to grab me and hold me down and told me, you know, he wasn't going to let go until I had calmed down. And it took some, it took some fighting. Like, I, I was really, really, like, gone, you know. Like, and then after a while, you know, he's holding me down by my shoulders on the bed. And, you know, calm down, calm down, calm down. And I finally did. And he picks me up and he holds me. And he uh, takes me to the window and he goes, look, they're out, you know, everything's fine. They're at work. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll be home eventually. And that, that was all I remember for that episode. And then we finally moved to New York, as as I've already said in the previous episode. And it was just the three of us, you know, my mom, my dad. And they both worked um, full-time jobs. And so I was left to my own devices, really. You know, like nowadays, you're like, oh, my God, you left the kid home by yourself. And I was home alone. I learned how to cook for myself. I learned how to answer the phone properly. I knew not to, you know, answer the door for strangers. I watched TV and, you know ate pizza as a kid, <laughs> made my own ramen, yeah, you know, open flames, five-year-old, God, don't know what my parents were thinking, but I lived, I survived, I was the boy who lived, <laughs> and so, you know, we, we were always on our own, the three of us, we were, we were happy, and then, uh, I think it was second, yeah, second grade, I, um, actually, no, reverse, go back, go back, 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 um, we had gotten news that my grandmother was coming, uh, was coming over from Laos to to come stay to come live uh, in the U.S. And so my grandfather had been here um, before, and so my grandmother finally got uh, got to come over, and this was huge. Obviously, you know my grandparents are going to be together for I don't know how long. Uh, they've been separate, and so we went back to uh, to Washington D.C. My, uh, my mom, my dad, and I, we didn't, to visit, we didn't go live there. And then, um, the night, <laughs> the night, uh, I was, we were supposed to go pick up my grandmother from the airport. I, I kept telling everybody that I was so excited. Yeah, I was so excited. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm so excited. And every, everybody, uh, everybody's like, what, what are you excited about? <laughs> and I remember saying that, Ah, grandfather's finally going to have a wife. And <laughs> one of my aunts laughed hysterically. And my one of my other uncles had, like, you know, cracked a smile. But my main uh, aunt and uncle, uh, they weren't impressed. <laughs> they weren't impressed by that comment. And again, who, who am I, you know, five or six years old. And um, my mom looked at me and she says, you know, don't you ever say that again. You know, it's very rude. And I understood. I understood then and there that, you know, you're, you're told something. You're told not to do something. You don't do it ever again. I got you. I got you. So I didn't, I didn't crack that joke ever again. But I was still, I was still very excited because, you know, someone else was going to come over from another country. And it wasn't us. Like, we're actually going to be the ones to embrace them. And, and bring them in. And so we finally got to the, uh, to the D.C. airport. And it was uh, myself, my, my mom, my aunt, my uncle, 
uh, the, the head ones, uh, two, both my cousins, a couple more aunts and uncles, they're, they're, I don't remember who, and then we got to the terminal, and, alright, as soon as grandma gets off the plane, as soon as Mental gets off the plane, and enters the terminal, we were gonna run down and, and like embrace her, and I was like, yes, let's do this, right, I was, I was super hyped, you know, five-year-olds get very excited about things like this, and so I was just like a ball of energy, just like, you know, getting myself pumped up, and, and then like, finally, you know, all the people leave, and then, sure enough, slowly, my, my grandmother, um, makes her appearance, and my aunt, and my younger cousin, run down the terminal and I take off like a shot you know I'm I'm like oh I'm gonna hug my grandma you know like super excited and in in the background I just hear annoy like just real sharp annoy and which is me and I turn around and it's my uncle and he points at me and he then he points down to where he was and he told me to come here like stand here and the way he says it, the way he gestures, was almost like saying, know your place here. And I was incredibly sad and disappointed because I wanted to run down there and embrace my grandmother. And instead, I was told, no, your place is here in front of me. Stand here. Know your place. And it's here. And I knew, I knew instantly right then and there that I wasn't on equal footing uh, with my other cousins. And I did what, I, I did what Alex does now when I'm, um, when I'm disciplining him. I, uh, I stiffened my neck, I clenched my jaw, and I kind of bobbled my head up and down like I understood, like a bobblehead. And, and, you know, I, I look at Alex doing it now and I can see myself and I stiffen my neck, stiffen my jaw, clench my jaw, bowed my head up and down. And I stood there next to my uncle while my, my cousin and my aunt embraced my grandmother and walked her over and everybody was introduced, you know, my mom was introduced, my, uh, my other aunts and uncles were introduced. And then I was the last one introduced to my grandmother. And it's, that still sits with me to this day. It still sits with me and it still angers me to this day. Because know your place, that's what I heard in my head. He may not have said it. And he may not have showed it, but that is what I heard. That is what I felt. And on that day, on that very day, that very night, I did know my place. And it wasn't with them. It wasn't going to be anywhere in that circle. I was going to be myself. No matter what they said, no matter how bad they said I was, I wasn't going to conform to what they assume was a good kid, quote-unquote, good kid. Because 
that's not who I was. That's not how I was raised. That's not how my parents raised me. And so, sure, yeah, I knew my place. But again, it wasn't going to be their way. I wasn't going to put my head down. I wasn't going to say yes and no politely. I was just going to listen. I was going to be quiet. But I was going to do my own thing. And I did. I did. I would run off. I would play by myself. I would have my own little adventures when I was over there. And then when we got back to New York, again, I did my own thing. And I remember that year, I got the first year I ever got straight A's. All because I was going to do it my way. And my parents, you know, they knew. They knew I was different when I got back. And I <laughs> I was going to be me. Me. That's who I was going to be. You know, there could be years from now, there can be a million people saying noi all at once. And that one time you heard Noi, you were going to know that it was me. Even though I kept quiet, even though I didn't promote myself as a, you know, back in those days, I, there was no social media. But you were going to know that if something involving Noi, a million of them, one of them was going to be me and you were going to know. And that's how I, I played, that's how I played it. And... Like, again, I went through, after we left there, you know, Grandma and Grandpa got, they lived together. That was perfectly fine. We came back to Rochester. We did our own thing. And then uh, a couple years later, my uh, grandfather had a stroke. And it was rough. It was rough for my mom. It was rough for me because I, I was very attached to my mom. You know, she... She was my mother, well, and I saw that, you know, she was, she wasn't herself. She was just, just down and, and just anxiety ridden and all this. So we went back to visit my grandfather, in the hospital. And then we decided, well, I didn't, <laughs> but my parents decided to, once he got out of the hospital, we were gonna take them in, and so, my grandmother and my grandfather came to live with us and that's when I had to learn how to speak Laos all over again because my parents they spoke Laos to me yeah that's complete um, but I never spoke it back to them I never spoke Lao with my other friends or my family and so it kind of just went away it kind of got dormant got locked away in the archives somewhere until my grandfather came uh, to stay with us, and I had to go to the hospital and talk to the doctors and physical therapists and nurses, and I, I covered that in the uh, the last couple episodes. And then about a year after we moved into the new house, which is the house my dad still stays in now, uh, my grandfather lost his sight. I don't remember the cause. I believe it was like uh, tumors or something like that, and they just had to remove his corneas. And so he lost sight in um, his right eye, I believe, at first. 
and then they had said that it spread to the uh, to the left eye, and they had to remove that as well. So he completely had lost his sight. And I tried my best to uh, to help him out, um, you know, hold his hands, go for walks with him, and after a while, that had kind of just gone away. They had they had decided to move back to Delaware. I'm sorry, they had my uh, my aunts, uncles, and family have moved from D.C. to Delaware. And then my uh, grandparents had decided to move to Delaware to stay with them because my my new cousin had just been born. Shout out to my cousin Suwan. And uh, so they wanted to be there for them to help out. And that was that was okay. You know, I I we saw them here and there. And again, I was still doing my own thing. I made my own friends. I was I was being noy. And then we lost track of my grandparents. I just, I'll be completely honest, I just stopped caring after they were gone. Because I already knew, like, I was already on the outside looking in. And so, again, I did my own thing. And then about uh, 2007, I just fondly remember my, my grandmother's cooking. And she was the best, absolute best in the entire family not even going to like tell my stepmother that she's probably listening anyway but my grandmother was really really good and so after she was gone I just missed her cooking and so in 2007 I decided I'm gonna learn how to cook like take it seriously not just like microwavable food or shoot over to Wegmans or something I was actually going to learn how to cook and so I actually enrolled myself in cooking school and I got really good at it. I actually uh, became trained in French and Italian cooking. And so um, I had took, taken jobs in kitchens, been a prep chef, uh, gotten all the way up to a sous chef at one point. Ooh, fun fact. You know the, uh, the chef hat? You, know, you see all the French restaurants. It's called a toque, by the way. And the higher the chef hat, the, the higher the status of the chef and the pleats on the uh, the chef hat there that is how many ways you can actually cook an egg yeah fun fact and so yeah when I became head chef I never even wore a hat to be honest with you it's kind of like when you're a black belt in karate you know when you're a black belt then you are actually learning same thing um, once I became head chef of a restaurant I never wore a hat because I'm still learning I'm not going to say I'm better than anybody even though I was. <laughs> and so in 2007, I got really, really super deep into cooking. And then... <laughs> and then I... Uh, I got into hibachi cooking. Like, really, really into hibachi cooking. To the point that I... Uh, not going to toot my own horn, but I was actually, I guess, unofficially considered the best hibachi chef in Rochester. I mean, this was a time when it was only, like, what, three restaurants? You had Arigato, you had Tokyo, and you had Plum Garden. And I was considered the best out of all of them because there was a bidding war to, to get me to work at, the rest, at that restaurant for you. I had been incredibly unhappy at Arigato. I had gotten tired of one of my co-workers, I'm not going to say who, and I had gotten tired of being hit on by, uh, by one of by the owner. 
and covering up the affair of the other owner. And so I decided I was going to leave. And I got a text message from Jay saying, one of my friends, Jay, saying, hey, um, you want to come to Tokyo? Like, they're going to pay you this much money and what have you. I said, yeah, yeah, sure, let's do it. So, you know, on a Friday, I was working at Arigato. On a Saturday, I was at Tokyo. And that's when I got really, I wouldn't say wealthy, but I, I made a really good amount of money. Um, as a head chef at uh, Tokyo. And I made some friends. I brought in a really, really good crew. Um, I brought in my cousin Kevin uh, to dishwash and trained him as a hibachi chef as well. And he actually would go on to be the head chef of Arigato um, at one point. So I'm glad, I'm glad my hibachi tree spread. And then in... 2009 I came to the realization that you know what I'm I'm pretty good at where I am in my life um and there was there was closure that I needed and 2009 I decided to buy a car uh 2002 Civic SI I decided to buy a really, really good car with good gas mileage because I was going to go to Delaware. Under my own uh, volition, I made a decision, conscious decision, uh, no alcohol involved, to go to Delaware. And I wasn't going to tell anyone except for my cousin, Suwon. And so I did. Bought a car in August of 2009 and I drove down to Delaware. Nobody knew. Nobody knew I was going to go except for my cousin, Suwon, who I kept in contact with the entire drive down there. And it just happened to coincide with my mom uh, going to Delaware at the same time. We had been separated for a while. I haven't spoken to her since I got back from California. We had gotten estranged uh, for a little bit. And so this was going to be pretty big, but... My mom was just an icing on the cake. I didn't even know she was going to be there. I wanted to go down to Delaware, and I just wanted to reconnect with my family on my mother's side because I got to the point where I felt it was important to have closure in the family. I couldn't just leave, you know, and and completely wipe them out of my of my existence. And so I made a conscious decision to go down there. And I got down there. I met with my cousin Suwon. We had gone out to eat. <laughs> Strangely enough, we had gone to Hibachi. First place. And then we went to the mall. And then I had stayed with him at his uh, college campus. And so we got in contact with my older cousin. And we came up with this elaborate plan that, you know, my mom was going to be at my aunt and uncle's house. We were going to show up for dinner. And then I would be the last one to walk in. And sure enough, that's what happens. We, uh, we sh They showed up. My mom got there. And I was the last to walk in. And everybody was completely surprised. Because I was probably the last person they would expect to walk through that door. And I was very cordial. You know, it, it was like we didn't skip a beat. Nothing. There was, there was no animosity there. There was no tension there. It was just a big family get together again. Like, nothing had ever happened. Like, no time was missed. We were just back at it. And then I went up to go see my grandfather. 
you know, by then he had already, you know, he had already, um, I wouldn't say whether, uh, he had already regressed to being weaker and um, bedridden most of the time. So I had gone up to see him. And, you know, I say, you know, sabayadi patau. Hello, you know, grandfather. And he remembered my voice. And he he perks up and he goes, you know, is you know, is that annoying? And I go, yeah, yeah, it's me. And he, like, just moans, like, you know, like, just not moaning, but you know what I mean. Like, he just, uh, just goes, oh, you know, come, 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 come here, come here. And I walk over to him. He, he's obviously, he's, he's blind. He's just reaching out to nothingness. And I walk over very slowly. And I give him my hand. And he shakes it. And he goes, oh, you know, you've, you've gotten a lot bigger. And I go, yeah, I've gotten a lot fatter, too. <laughs> he had a laugh. And I give him a hug. And he sizes me up by rubbing his uh, his hand on my face and on my shoulder. And, you know, you've, you've gotten a lot older. And I haven't seen you in a very long time. And I go, yeah, it's been a, it has been a very long time. And, I, you know, it's good to see you. I miss you. And we sat and we chatted for a little bit. And then uh, it was time for me to leave. I didn't stay very long. Was... And then December of that year, I had gotten phone calls saying that my grandfather wasn't doing very well. And I didn't know. I'll be completely honest with you. I thought um, something wasn't right when I went to go see my grandfather. And I was very, 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 very glad I went down to see them. But something didn't feel right to me when I saw him. And I had gotten a call in December saying that my grandfather was in the hospital. And I needed to come down and, and come see him because he had been specifically asking for me. And I was just so caught up in work. It was uh, December, and the restaurant business is, much like the retail business, is incredibly, um, incredibly busy. And so yeah, I, I couldn't, you know, I said, you know, it's Grandpa, you know, he's he's gonna kick out at like two point nine or something. And so I kind of I kind of brushed it off, even though in the back of my mind I knew something wasn't right. And then I had gotten a call, a couple missed calls and voice messages from one of my cousins who I was very close with, who I did keep in contact with. And it's somebody who, again, didn't conform to that, that part of the family. And he calls and leaves a message saying, you need to come down here now. And the next voicemail I got was... Grandpa's gone, and you need to come down here. And that's when I knew. That's when I knew that I went down there for a reason. It, I I kind of just knew something was wrong, and I needed to go down and see my grandparents again in, uh, in August. And so my father and I drove down for my grandfather's uh, funeral. 
And when we got down there, there's there's obviously a, a different air. Um, you know, I've seen I see family members that I haven't seen in a very very long time. Except it wasn't a happy moment. It, it's supposed to be, which is very odd for Asian funerals, especially Lao funerals. Is uh, uh, the Lao culture, the Lao belief is that the spirit stays with the body for I believe three to five days or so, and so the body or the spirit is stuck to that body. And so what we're supposed to do is throw a giant party. <laughs> throw a giant party and just just have a blast just see family eat cook and just go nuts and show the spirit that it's okay show the spirit that it's okay we're gonna be okay you don't have to worry about us look at us we're, we're we are partying right now um one of my uncles is doing a keg stand and the other one's about to punch him in the face as soon as he comes down that sort of thing and so you know, I I didn't have that. Like, it was great to see my cousins, obviously. I, I saw Donna, my cousin Donna, for the first time since God knows when. And we instantly connected. So it was myself, Donna, my other, my cousin Suwon. Like, we instantly got together as if, you know, we never left. Like, we were always hanging out. And so, um, so they, they asked if if I would like to become a monk, you know, to honor my grandfather. And God, you know, without hesitation, yes, you know, absolutely. I would, I would love to honor my grandfather. And so, so that night after many, many a Remy Martin, I knew that uh, I was going to get my head shaved the next day. And so I asked my cousin Donna, Hey, can you, uh, can you make me emo? Just for no apparent reason whatsoever, but can you draw like eyeliner on me? <laughs> she she agrees reluctantly, agrees. And there's pictures. Um, God, I should probably post those on my uh, on my Instagram, Kinkato eighty one if you're following. And so, <laughs> so Donna's in the middle of putting eyeliner on me, and my dad walks in. <laughs> he just looks at me. He looks at Donna. He looks at the eyeliner on my face. He just, she goes, okay. He just walks out. And yeah, we went to my cousin's, uh, my older cousin's house, and we just got more blitzed and shit-faced. Ooh, that's the first curse I ever did in this podcast. And then we woke up the next day, and um, Suan, myself, uh, my my other cousin, Kitup, the three of us got our heads shaved. And it's an honor um, to whoever shaves your head, and so you always, uh, let the person who you respect the most shave your head, and so obviously my dad, um, got the first pass through, um, with the, with the clippers, my uncle got the pass through with the clippers, and uh, another uncle, and then finally we, we finished off with the razor, and you're only really supposed to shave your head and your eyebrows. And you can shave your armpits if you want to. But me, I'm a method actor. I am... Uh, <laughs> I went all out. I mean, we're talking scorched earth. I said, give me the razor. I'm going to go take a shower. 
<laughs> so, eyebrows, gone. Mustache, gone. Beard, gone. Chest hair, gone. Armpit hair, gone. And you better believe. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Why can't I be sponsored by Manscaped? Anyways, down there, gone. Scorched earth. Just a tree stump left. And we go down and we get fitted into our robes. And I thought to myself, man, I probably should work out more because I am I'm a little tubby. But we go there and we're given instructions as to why we're doing this, as to uh, what, it, what it means. And so we're fitted into our robes and essentially we are a vessel. We are a vessel right now um, lending our karma, our earthly karma, to my grandfather to help him get further along uh, in, in line to the afterlife and hopefully get reincarnated as something better than what he normally would have had he gone to the afterlife on his own. And so we're lending this karma, and then when it's our turn to pass, that karma comes back to us with interest. Allegedly, this is how it sounds. And so, yeah, we did it. You know, we, we said the prayers, we, we lived the life. I was essentially a Buddhist monk for 12 hours. And we said the prayers, we did the, uh, the, the wrist wraps, and then it was time to go to the funeral home. And so I rode in the car with, with my cousin Suwan, my other cousin Kitu. And then we got to the funeral home, and there was my grandfather's casket. And it was an open casket, which I was very uneasy with. But again, I was, I was a Buddhist monk now. I couldn't show emotions. Or at least that's the part I put on myself. I... I said I was going to be stoic. I wasn't going to show any emotions because it's not about me. I am just a background player. And I was just there for my grandfather, for my mother, and for my, my aunt. Because he was their father. And so we sat behind the casket. And the, uh, the MC was saying, you know, welcome. Everybody, please have a seat. We're going to get started. And then he went off with an advertisement saying, you know, this this funeral was paid for and brought to you by, I'm not going to say the company, but I just thought that was incredibly rude. Like, you know, like... People are people are mourning right now. My grandfather was a great man. Like he was very well loved and respected. And it just goes, hey, brought to you by da 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 da. And I looked at my cousin Suwan and goes, what? What? Like, are you kidding me right now? And then I remember the MC going, yeah, there are samples in the lobby if you guys are interested after the funeral. And I just, I, being a stoic monk, remember. Stoic, calm, emotionless. But I looked at my cousin and I go, what is this? You know? And he just looks at me and goes, I know. I know. He's, he, he was feeling the same thing. And so they go on. Um, there's more chanting, more prayers. I just repeat what I'm hearing because I don't know the, the words. Uh, I don't speak the language. 
By the way, Buddhist chants aren't Laos. They're not Thai. They're not Hindu. Um, it's a language called Pali. P-A-L-I. Pali. And so that's what the chants are. And so I don't know if anybody speaks it except for like other Buddhist monks. But um, it was it was led by the head monk. And then my uncle starts uh, doing prayers too. And everybody follows along with him. He's the head of the family. And I looked over at Suwan and, you know, at, during, a, during a time of silence. And I whispered to him, you realize, like, you realize, like, after your father passes or after, you know, any of the, our parents pass, um, no one's going to do this for us, right? Like, our funerals won't be this elaborate, this traditional, I guess you would say. And that's when it really hit me, like, you know, the culture is dying. And so I, I wouldn't say I took it upon myself, but I, I made it a thing where I wanted to understand my culture more. And, you know, I wanted to understand where it was coming from, where, why we do certain things. And I I started asking my dad, you know, questions as we were driving home, but we'll get there um, in a bit. And so my uncle, you know, doing prayers, and finally the casket is closed after everybody says their goodbyes, and we're ushered over to the incineration room. And my grandfather's casket uh, gets put into the incinerator. And more, a couple more prayers were said. I don't remember um, by whom. And my uncle, being the, the head, uh, presses the button. And that was it. You know, uh, all, this, all this pomp and circumstances um, ends with just a push of a red button. And that was it. So then people go, you know, stand about, and they start talking. And the incinerator's still going. And I take a walk outside. Just right, there's a door right next to the incinerator. And I, just, I walk out the door by myself. And I look up at the chimney. The chimney of this incinerator. And I'm just, I just happen to look up. And I saw a pop. Like a, a pop coming out of the chimney. And a blue light. A blue flame. Sorry. And... Right as the blue flame popped, right as there was a pop, blue flame, a couple birds flew over that exact spot. And I just smiled. I smiled and I said, you know, you know, so deep put out. Meaning, um, you know, goodbye or good luck, Grandpa. And that was it. Like, I didn't get the closure of... Um, being there when my grandfather had passed, you know, to, to be around him with the rest of the family. But in my, in my heart of hearts, I felt like I was the last person to see him because of that, because of that moment. And I will go to my grave believing that, that I was the last person to see my grandfather.
before he journeyed on to the other side. And then, you know, we we went back home. Or we didn't go back. We went back to um, my aunt and uncle's house in Delaware. And we got released. We got released from our Buddhahood. And that's why I make the uh, the joke that I make today. Because I'm also an ordained minister. So I make the joke that I was a Buddhist monk. And I'm an ordained minister. Therefore, I am the left and right fist of the Lord. And we got released. And oh, man, we were able to eat meat again. That <laughs> that was a thing. Because apparently Buddhist monks aren't allowed to eat meat. I don't know. But I could have any meal I want. I was told I could have any meal I wanted. And I don't know why, but I blurted out cheeseburger from McDonald's. And they got me a cheeseburger from McDonald's. It was the... The first meal I ate after being a Buddhist monk. And then, you know, I, I reconnected with Donna. I reconnected with uh, Suan. And we, we kept in touch. We got really, really close that day. And uh, <laughs> Donna would later on. Actually, and that, yeah, that, that actual, my grandfather's uh, funeral. My daughter, or not my daughter. <laughs> Donna would actually... Uh, connect me with my future wife who is now my wife Mary she's like yeah I have a friend of mine who's just single <laughs> and I had just gotten out of a relationship too and she finally gave me you know Mary's number and I text her on New Year's I believe New Year's Eve I text her and the rest right there was history but um, not long after that I I I went back home with my dad and I questioned him about our, you know, our beliefs and we had a really, really good long talk and I got deeper into what it meant to be a Lao person before communism took over, what it meant to be a Lao person after communism had taken over the country. And then I got a job offer to work as a chef in New England. Sight unseen, they said, hey, come on down, You have a, your the job is yours, this is what you're being paid, come down. And so I did. I, I moved to, uh, to Lowell, Massachusetts, and I stayed with, uh, with Donna and, and my, uh, my aunt and uncle in their, <laughs> I slept in their dining room. And then, not long after, I had gotten word that uh, my grandmother wasn't doing so well. My uh, my metal wasn't doing so well, and it, everybody knows. I mean, you know, when it, the old saying goes, "When one goes, so does the other one." And so, um, I had finally, I, I again, this was during the busy season, and again, I couldn't go down. I couldn't go down for my uh, grandmother's funeral at all. Um, my my cousins have gone down, but. I just couldn't. It was emotionally draining, and I had just started this job. I couldn't afford to lose this job. It's not like you know bereavement pay or anything like that. I was working at a Chinese restaurant, pretending to be a Japanese restaurant, and I didn't even have health benefits, so I couldn't go. And so that started a riff between myself and my older cousin. And quite honestly, I didn't care. Like, again, I'm not you. Sorry? 
maybe, possibly, but I am me. And I am somebody who does things my way. I'm sorry I couldn't be there for you. You know, it's not about you. And so, yeah, that, that the riff was reopened. And I heard he had tried to reach out to me again or reached out to Donna to get back in contact with me. And honestly, I don't care. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm petty, but also I don't care. Um, I still talk to Sawan. I talk to his wife, Kat. Um, and that's all the people I need. I don't need friends. Like, I have enough friends. You know, I need people who can tell me how it is. Tell me, like, tell me what I need to hear. Not what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear. Those are the people I need in my life now, you know. And so, yeah, like, I don't know what that tirade was about, but I answered it, and that was it. And I think that's it, really. That That is the story of my grandparents. Um, oh, I did... I did write something uh, on Facebook about my grandfather's passing. I, it was something along the lines of, um, you know, you, you had lived a decade in the dark. And I was honored to carry you into the light. It's because, uh, again, he lost his sight for a very long time. And I'm sure, you know, wherever he is now, he's gotten that all back. And so I was very honored by that. I, I honestly, I love my grandparents. You know, I have, I still have very fond memories of them. As stern and as strict as they were, I, I completely get it. That's how they were raised. And that's, you know, that's what they were pushing. But I did things my way, and I think they respected me for that. Because when I went to go see my grandfather and my grandmother... Again, there was, like, no animosity. There was no nothing. It was just, God, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to see you again, sort of thing. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I got closure in that. I, I believe I got closure in that relationship. And that's a lot more than what I can say about all my other relationships. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, please, please, if you know anybody who... I, thinks who you think that you know think that they should listen to this podcast please feel free to share it i mean it's on spotify it's on apple it's on google it's on amazon it's on anchor it's on the anchor app just let them know and uh next week i'm not sure what i'm talking about yet please god don't let it be a filler because that's even harder to write (laughs) but again i appreciate you guys for listening um, if you have any feedback, don't be afraid to let me know on the Anchor app. I've been getting a lot of really, really good feedback. Some people saying I should go, uh, a lot less. But this is me, like, free-forming. So I, again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I will talk to you guys next week. All right, thanks. See ya.